today. We're digging in and uh, going to talk about our nine servant leadership behaviors. And with me is Carol Malinsky, who serves as the Director of Content and Curriculum here at Servant Leadership Institute. And I'm Robin Swift, and I serve as the President of SL Live. So here we go. Often Carol is asking the questions, <laughs> but I said, wait a minute, we're going to turn the tables here, aren't we? <laughs> and I'm going to ask you some questions because you've spent so much time um, as a servant leader and in a servant leadership organization uh, before coming to SLI. And so you have a lot to share. And so I'm flipping the, I'm flipping the org chart. You're turning, <laughs> you're turning the tables today. Yes. Are you ready? I can handle it. Okay. Well, thanks again for everyone out there for listening. And we're going to do our best to serve you well to really, again, our focus is on the how to, how to do servant leadership. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kick it off with our first servant leadership behavior, which is serve first. And we talk about the mindset of serving first. So tell us about serve first. Sure, Robin. Um, Serve first is the first servant leadership behavior. And it really does have to do with a whole new mindset. And coming to the place where you're really able to First of all, ask yourself the question, how can I serve today? But then follow through with that and actually behave that way, act that way when you get to the office. So you would go into, for example, when I'm coming into a meeting, it's not so much a question any longer of, what is it that I want to get out of this? How can I win in this meeting and come out with... um, you know, the scorecard, Carol one and the rest of the team zero. Mm -hmm. It's all about changing the way you're thinking so you go in there with the attitude of how can I personally make this a win-win for everybody? And that's not an easy thing to do. We're not sort of raised that way in business. Um, For the most part, it's, you know, accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish and the heck with everybody else. Um, So this is really, you know, not that we don't look out for the goals that we have, but rather we approach it from a much more collaborative state. And so we're serving um, in that context. But serving also has to do with the people that report to us, the people that we're responsible for. And do we simply hand them a job description train them up with regard to how to do the job and leave it at that. We don't do that as servant leaders. As a servant leader, I care about you as a whole individual. So I want to make sure that, you know, you're engaged by your work, but also I want to make sure that I understand what what are the challenges you've maybe facing in your life that affect your work life. So it's not that I want to pry and, and, you know, learn things about you that you may not want to share, but rather that I am there as a support, not as a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but as someone there who's really invested in seeing you succeed 
And so I serve you in that way to try and make you better. So you said a lot there. Let's go yeah. over this. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot there because as simple as this sounds, it's very complicated, yeah. isn't yeah. it? So first of all, just talking about that kind of checking your, your mindset when you walk into the office. You know, are you there to be served or are you there to serve, mm-hmm. right? So right. you're talking about really that it's a self-awareness piece, is that, is yes. that right? Yes, yes, certainly. So one has to really, you know, know your intentions. And if if you're not like this and you don't want to be like this, that's okay. Yeah. But to be a servant leader, one really has to have this desire to, like you said, invest time in people. And one of the things I I love that Art Barter teaches, our our CEO and founder, is don't just serve the people you like or just are easy to serve. Mm -hmm but serve any life that comes in front of you, right? So right. that reminded me when you said right. that about investing in people. It's not just going to the ones you happen to get along with more, right? Right. And, you know, you, you hit on something a little uh, earlier, Robin, when you said, you know, this may not be for you. I mean, that is the case. If you're the type of individual who really sincerely just wants to go, you know, do what is expected of you or exceed expectations but you don't want to get into any of these other things, any of the people stuff, Mm -hmm. then that's okay too. And, you know, people need to understand that. But um, it's very important to um, think about, we're going to get to think about your thinking later, but um, to really think what is it that I want to achieve? Do do I really want to approach leadership in this way or don't I? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we have made the decision that it is uh, a good way to go and very satisfying for us as people. So it's a, you know, it is a win for, for both the employee and for you as the leader um, if you do make that decision, you know, and, and you can look back more than just, oh, I made X amount of dollars. You can look back and say, I invested in people's lives and for the better. Mm-hmm. And it's so we'll get to some of the other behaviors, but also just listening is mm-hmm. a way to serve. And right. often we think we have to fix everybody's problems as a leader. Right. Um, that micromanager, you know, everybody depends on me. And in that place, you're not really serving them, are you? No, no, because you're you're more caught up in. In fact, we'll, we will get into this in other behaviors. If you don't show people, if you're constantly micromanaging, checking their work, um, making everything have to go through you. Um, you know, somebody else went to a meeting that, that reports to you and you have to find out afterwards what did everybody talk about. You know, that's it's not... exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting <laughs> and it's not helping anybody. That's right. not serving them and it's not serving you in reality. Great point. Great yeah. point, Carol. So serve first. One of our very first nine servant leadership behaviors Ask yourself that question, who can I serve today? How can mm-hmm. I bring value? That's that's a place to start. And you're not going to always be able to have that. You're going to flip-flop on this. Absolutely. <laughs> but just bring yourself back, yeah. right? And serving them may be as simple as a smile in the hallway or a how are you doing today, you know, in the restroom. Um, it it is, isn't always some big complicated thing. Exactly. But it means a lot to other people. It means a lot. And also, um, 
find something to just compliment someone on, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't yeah. It's those yeah very simple things that you know help them feel just special that day. Thank you is a great example <laughs> of that. How many times during the day do we remember to say thank you to people? Yes. And yes. how huge that is for folks to get a thank you. Yes. I want to let you guys also know we have our nine. Uh, behavior, our, our nine servant leadership mm -hmm. behavior card available on our website. Yeah. So if you go to our store, you can actually uh, get these cards and pass them out to your friends. So everything you hear today, the key notes are on the card. So we'll remind you of that again, but I just want to note that because we're going to cover a lot. Now our second um, servant leadership behavior is also just rich with so much content, and that's build trust. Exactly. Build trust, which is um, we learned a lot actually about this behavior from Stephen M. R. Covey, who's really written the book on trust, which is The Speed of Trust. And in it, he teaches us that when trust is high, costs are low and speed goes up. And when trust is low, our costs go up and our speed goes down. And I think that for everybody out there working in a well, it doesn't even have to be an office situation, but any kind of work situation, I will bet you that you can look and find an example of where that is true. Where some project, something you're working on, there's low trust in the group, and it just drives your costs up and your speed goes down. So building trust is absolutely vital in any kind of um, work situation. And I know that as we were implementing servant leadership at Daytron World Communications, uh, arts company, we learned this um, as we went along for sure. And one of the biggest questions that would come up, um, I know among people that I worked with was, how can I trust somebody I don't know? I'm not a, you know, I'm not an automatic truster. And what do I do if I can't, you know, if there's some vice president here and I don't know him from Adam, and yet I'm supposed to trust him. And I, I and other leaders had some, you know, deep conversations with people about this. And the bottom line really is you need to, some, some of our employees would call it, you know, smart trust. And that is, I'm going to extend trust to you because I'm a servant leader. And if you violate that trust, then I'll know I can't trust you. But I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt to start with, especially in a business situation. So in some cases, that works out just fine. Um, usually it does. Mm -hmm. Other times, it doesn't. And that trust is broken. And when that happens then you as the leader, if you've broken that trust, you've got to be the one to go back and repair that. So little things in building trust, whether you're repairing, whether you're establishing it at the very beginning, look for things like, are you on time to meetings? Or do you think that you can just mosey in a few minutes late, it's not a big deal, but you may have you know, five, six people in that room. Is there time? less valuable than yours. Mm -hmm. So being on time, really important. Delegate. This is something people forget about. We don't delegate a lot of times because we think we have the answer. We know how to do it. Nobody else does. 
when we delegate, we're showing our employees that we trust them to be able to do the job. Mm-hmm. So it's vital that you take a look at what, you know, that assignment or that work that you have to do and see who can I give this to and they're going to grow through it and you're going to grow through it because you'll start this letting go process. And then, um, you know, we talked about it with regard uh, to micromanaging. That's part of it. And so don't feel compelled that you always have to double check people's work. Are they going to make mistakes? Yes, absolutely, they're going to make mistakes. And when that happens, then it's, you know, the table sort of switches. Um, They're the ones that will have to rebuild the trust Mm. because they made a mistake. I I had this happen to me um, with a gentleman that I reported to many years, not many years ago, a few years ago, and I made a mistake in something, um, which was an important thing, and, um, you know, he said, well, you know, what are we going to do going forward? I said, well, you know, I've broken my trust with you, so I've got to rebuild it now, you know, which means I've got to make sure, absolutely sure my work is accurate before I let you see it, until we get to the point where you trust me again to give you good numbers. So really key. I mean, trust is just pervasive everywhere. Trust is the foundation, right? Yeah, it really is. And to build trust, as we know, you have to ask yourself, are you trustworthy? Yeah. And in order to really, as you mentioned, build trust, you extend trust. Mm -hmm. Uh, Delegate, you mentioned, Carol. And then when trust is broken, it's very difficult, but it can be rebuilt. Absolutely. Absolutely. But there are steps. I know years ago I was having a difficult, uh, challenging situation, and I went to Art, our founder, to just to be mentored. Like, what should I do about this situation? And um, I didn't necessarily feel I was in the wrong. I just felt like, oh, this I'm having, I'm struggling with this relationship. And he's like, well, the very first thing you should do is sit down with her and ask her how you can rebuild and gain her trust. How can you gain her trust back or something mm-hmm. to that effect? I, my first defensiveness was, well, I didn't do anything. Why should I be the one that you know, has to say this? But, of course, I took the high ground. I took the advice, and I applied it. And it's interesting when I really executed this advice art gave me this person responded with you know you had me at the first like how can I gain your trust you know yeah question and and that's pretty profound isn't it yeah when when we grow up we (laughs) need to learn to not maybe keep score yes so as much as we do as human beings you know that was a situation where he didn't want you to keep score he just wanted you to go say how can I rebuild your trust? Exactly, yeah. And it worked, and um, I think that's, um, you know, asking for help. Yeah. yeah. You, you can, uh, there's so many people around us that we think we have to do everything, but really just ask for some help if you're struggling on, on a trust issue. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people around you that most likely have been through something like I just shared or you shared, Carol, right? Oh, definitely. And, and you know, people really do want to help you. You know, and, and that offers them the opportunity to do that. So, you know, we didn't talk about this when we were talking about 
um, serve first, but the reciprocal of serving first is that it always gives somebody else a chance to also serve. So you serve by accepting somebody saying to you, how can I build trust? Now they're in a situation to serve you, right? Mm. So the blessing goes both ways. Both ways. Great point. Yeah. 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 I also want to circle around on something you shared, Carol, about uh, Stephen M. R. Covey's book, The Speed of Trust. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do we talk about this behavior, build trust, whether Art's giving a keynote or doing a workshop, and we mention trust. We don't mention that book that Stephen wrote. It's a profound piece of work. And it'll really help you in in diving deeper into this behavior, build trust. So we highly recommend picking up a copy of The Speed of Trust. Absolutely. It's it's just amazing work to to spell out the cost. Yes. The cost of business when trust goes down. He puts it in business terms and, you know, has all the statistics and all the studies behind (laughs) it and all that. So A lot of people, yeah, that's important. important. Absolutely. So moving right along here, we're going to go to our third uh, servant leadership behavior, which is live your values. Talk to us about about live your values. Sure. Um, Living your values is, I mean, so key, so critical to people for you to have... um, a life or a work life that is satisfying and significant. And the really interesting thing is I don't think that most people know really what their values are. To be able to recite them, to live their life by them, um, we just don't talk about that so much. You know, what are your top five values? But in our teaching at SLI, we do ask people to, to, you know, isolate, pick out all the things that are important to you off of a huge list that we give them, and then we have them narrow it down to five. And the idea being here, what you're seeking really, is that your five, your values, be it five, three, whatever, um, are in alignment with the values of the company that you're working with, working for. When those two things are in alignment, you get a whole lot more productive things done. And you feel a lot more comfortable in your work. Um, It may be that um, you're not able to make that comparison and have it work out and work together. And, And when that happens, you really seriously need to look at that and decide, is this the right place for me? Um, but if those values aren't in alignment, then you really need to support those company values and make them a part of your life. Um, we advocate that you take those values and you know take them off the wall and make them a part of people's day-to-day decision-making process within the company. That way, you know, your values are in alignment with the company values, are in alignment with the behaviors that um, we operate by so that everybody is playing with the same set of of, uh, rules, if you will. So living values and having them be congruent is really, really important. And really u- using those values, the leader uses those values to to provide purpose, right, to right. for people that right. 
why you're here and there's so much about just vision mission values that that work together to really engage the employee right. when they can feel like their families are important so at Daytron Arts Radio Manufacturing Company families first along with SLI's values family first mm -hmm. is one of the first key values and I know if I may share you know you've written a blog about your experience with with your son and um, had a, a difficult situation a, a medical emergency and I remember when it happened Art just told me just go serve those guys do whatever they need and when you really see it in action you're like everything else will take care of itself just do whatever they need mm -hmm. and you know it works because what does that employee feel by you coming along beside them when they're going through that? They feel grateful. They feel more loyal. They feel that they matter, right? It's, yeah. It's so like, you so would, much of this is common sense. It's like, <laughs> you know, you'd walk over hot coals when somebody steps up and helps you in that way. You would do anything to support them because you know the heart of the company. Right. And that's... Um, you know, that's worth its weight in gold. By the same token, you know, if we're talking about business decisions, um, you know, if, if the company's value is integrity, for example, and, you know, you're in a business transaction with somebody and they want you to do some backdate paperwork, do whatever, um, you know, you have a very strong, firm foundation where you can say to yourself, is this the right thing to do or not? And, you know, hopefully you make the decision to uphold that company value and your personal value of integrity, and you say, no, I can't do that. We happen to, you know, have a leader that would totally back our doing, you know, pulling out of a business deal if it meant violating our values. So it makes it it makes it very clear for people how you know how they do business and that's just as important as what you do is how you do it right yeah it gives you that framework so you yeah. know it's not a gray area right right this is against our integrity right and so live your values so the third servant leadership behavior at the Institute asking yourself first and making sure you understand what your values are mm -hmm. I mean I didn't really look at that until I came to mm -hmm. Daytron Servant Leadership Institute to really sit down yeah. and go through that. And you, know? you went, what the heck are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> but it was very valuable. And so in order to live your values, you must first define them. Yes. And it, it's okay if you haven't done it yet. Yeah. I'm using myself as you know example. It's not that I didn't have values, but I hadn't clearly articulated them on right. paper. Right. So do that, right? It's, yeah. It's very valuable. Absolutely. It's a great exercise. Okay, we're coming up to one of my favorite servant leadership behaviors. I've done a lot of work on this. There's so much work to do on this one. Listen to understand. So listen I'm going to, to listen. Understand. <laughs> As I understand you. <laughs> great. That's great. Listen to understand. We all think, oh, this is so easy. Why is this even a special behavior? All I have to do is listen to what somebody's saying and repeat back to them what I think I've heard them say. Um, make sure that I'm real attentive and I don't yawn or anything like that in their face as they're talking. Well, as you pursue this particular behavior, the more you pursue it, the more you learn 
about the realities of really listening. I used to think I was the world's best listener. And then I realized that what I would do is I would spend my time listening to the person, not to really listen to them, but rather to decide when can I chime in with however, whatever my opinion is on the particular situation. So I would end up basically interrupting people and I didn't notice that I was doing it until we started to really practice this behavior and really you know, try to make it part of who we are as people. And you know, it shocked me, quite frankly, that I saw that in myself. And so I've had to make a real effort to not do that. Um, I've also been prey to listening but not really listening and having certain people catch the fact that I'm not really listening. And I can thank my son for that because he is the one who said to me many years ago, Mom, you're not listening to anything I'm saying, are you? <laughs> and it I was did. true. It was true. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, it's embarrassing and it hurt because I thought I was a good mom. And so, you know, this one really goes deep. And it, it, um, what we like to say to people is to um, use a couple of phrases uh, with people as you are conversing with them and as you're listening to what it is they want to express. And that is, first, help me understand. And the other one is, tell me more. If you can remember those two, help me understand and tell me more, that will really help you to hone in on what it is they're trying to say and will help them feel like they're being heard. And so you just kind of keep that pattern up of, you know, tell me more until you fully understand the situation. And you know, don't be so frantic about, oh, I've got to have an answer to this. You know, take the time necessary to really listen to people. Mm-hmm. That's great. Let's repeat that. So help me understand mm-hmm. and tell me more. Yes. Excellent. People need to be understood, so listen to them. <laughs> that's what John Maxwell says, and I, yeah. I love that. Great. Well, that's, that's a, as everyone knows, I'm sure our audience work also is very in tune with the power of listening. So we can't say enough about that. Our next behavior is think about your thinking. This think about your thinking is probably the deepest of these behaviors, I think I know, is, is for me personally. And it's the one that um, I've, I think I'm learning the most about. And that is, you know, how do I really think about whatever situation I'm in. Let me try and give you an example of that. Do I, do I take the input in a negative way? Or do I read it as a, you know, a, a possibly positive opportunity? So if someone says, for example, um, Oh, yeah, we didn't get that order that we thought we were going to get. 
Now I have, you know, I can either say, oh, well, gee, you know, what happened? Is there, you know, something more we could do, or you know, what were the circumstances? Or is the the voice in my head, the thought in my head, oh, something else bad's going to happen? Does that mean we're going to have hard times? Does that mean you know there isn't going to be enough work for people? Um, you can go on and on and on and on, and it doesn't do anybody any good. So what we're talking about here is useful thoughts versus non-useful mm -hmm. thoughts. And we have the power to take that non-useful thought and reframe it. And um, this is also part of what we teach in our curriculum is to reframe those negative um, beliefs or that negative thinking. That Robin, she's always late. Well, is that really true? Is she always late? Every single day is she late? And it's probably not true. So let's change that thinking. Sometimes Robin has some challenges and can't get here for the meeting on time. You know, and that, so then you're free to handle that in a different way. But um, so I think that's why this one is a heavy one because you have to think about <laughs> your thinking and it takes reflection and making that time for reflection to be able to rethink you know some of the situations you were in for that day for example and so this one really is for me all about changing the way we think and challenging those negative thoughts that you may have yeah, this is a whole powerful body of work on around emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And we've broken it down for servant leaders to think about your thinking. Uh, that's, again, building self-awareness so you're aware even of your thinking. Yeah. Often, we, yeah. like you say, we just may have those patterns about people and we just go through those same tapes over and over and over. And we're not realizing it. So spending time reflecting and then really, like you said, is this useful thinking? Yeah, I mean, you may have an employee that you know, had a problem in their behavior three years ago, and you're still making them pay for it because <laughs> it was three years ago. Right? And, and it's this old file, as you say, that is there that really needs to be changed. Exactly, yeah, very powerful. So our next servant leadership behavior we're gonna focus on is add values to add value to others. Yeah, so add value to others is is in close alignment, you could say, with serving first, but there is a difference. And that difference is that when we say add value to others, yes, we want people to add value in whatever encounter they may have, you know, have the mindset of how can I add value. But the other thing to explore in this behavior is what are your strengths? You know, we, we spoke earlier and said some people don't know what their values are even more people don't know what their strengths are. Mm. Not everybody has done, you know, Meyer-Briggs Meyer or, or train, strength finders or those kinds of things. And so we do an exercise at the Institute that's very interesting. And um, what you do is you think of some, a story, or we do like three stories, from your past, a time when you felt really proud of something you accomplished and you share that story. And when you share the story, the other people in the group jot down what type of strengths and skills 
were you showing in that story? And by the time you finish that exercise, you have these items of strengths that you know you have and skills that you know you have. And so the object is for you to use those strengths, to know what they are, and then use those strengths to add value to your work and what you're doing and you're dealing with other people. So it's very powerful and that whole exercise of looking back at what you're proud of in your life. Yeah, that's so powerful. And <clears throat> we do have on our uh, value card that, do you always have to take the credit? <laughs> and you know, there's no better feeling as a leader to give people the other credit to me because you just see that light go off. And I mean, that to me, what that's what it's all about. I mean, so if you can understand that value of don't take all the credit, you don't need to take any credit, really. If your team's doing amazing things and are happy and, and you can shed that light on them, they're just going to, you know, outperform, outperform, go, right. go, go. And it's right? a natural reflection of your leadership. So without you stepping up and saying, I did it, people know who, you know, is leading. Um, so in the long run, it's a plus for you as well. You know, but your your folks will really just feel so... You know, we can't always reward people monetarily. But it means just as much to have somebody recognize the fact that you did something great. Exactly. And it's not why you're necessarily doing it, but it feels right. good. And so that's a great question to ask yourself when it comes to applying this servant leadership behavior, add value to others. Ask yourself... Are you a leader who constantly adds value, or at least constantly tries, right? Mm -hmm. You do your best to see if you can do that every day, and do you always have to take the credit? And if you are, find yourself in that position, just think about your thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so we have three more behaviors to go through on our podcast today, and the next one is demonstrate courage. Demonstrate, demonstrate courage, something that we do every day when we walk through the door, <laughs> because... Being a servant leader is not easy. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you know that we put a lot of thought into the different aspects of leadership. So it's not just um, a simple thing, you know, it's, and it's constant. So demonstrating courage is part of that, is, is standing up and deciding I'm going to be a servant leader, I'm going to lead in a different way. But it also leads you into things like, am I going to be courageous enough to deal with that problem employee that I have and see them through whatever it may be that they're going through? To be able to deal with conflict um, is extremely hard for people, most people. And as a servant leader, when you demonstrate courage, you go ahead and you face that conflict and you work to resolve that conflict. Giving feedback to people when they need to have constructive feedback given to them is very difficult. Most of us do not like to do that. And it's a whole lot easier to avoid. I'm sure there's many people out there who have worked in situations where there's an employee that just keeps getting moved around because nobody's brave enough to actually deal with their problems head on, well, a servant leader will do that. And when you demonstrate courage, it's absolutely imperative that you do that. 
and that you work for um, reconciliation and to improve the situation, but that you're also very clear to people that they're accountable and that they need to do a good job. You know, so it's it's not that uh, we just pat everybody on the back and say you're doing great. <laughs> you know, we're willing to face the hard issues. Yeah, that's why um, we say it's you know it's the soft skills that are often the hardest to apply, and we often face we have people call us at you know the institute here and inquire about workshops and training and I had one recently where they said you know we're just not sure it's manly enough because we have this kind of culture of this manliness and I had to laugh because it's one of the hardest things I've ever done yeah I face a lot of the hard things in my life but truly being a servant leadership a servant leader is very difficult for mainly this reason that if you're really going to serve people well you have to challenge them you have to hold them accountable it's just in the how you do it you don't diminish them you do it in a way that encourages them but you have to hold them accountable yeah and people don't understand that this isn't just about being nice right and i mean because here's here's the logical pattern if i'm just nice okay if i'm just nice with everybody it then to me it doesn't matter if i make any money or not right so if i don't make any money then i end up not having a company so all of these people don't have a job (laughs) so it's you know it's pretty important yes that we get results at the same time that we are leading from the heart and it's possible I mean we've seen it firsthand we know that it's possible so the two go hand in hand and if you really care for people then you will hold them accountable because you're not helping them, just letting it pass and not yeah, dealing with point. it. Great point, Carol. And I think this is where Art's famous quote, really, how you get results is more important than the results themselves. He's talking about this piece right here in a lot of ways okay. that results are critical. But if you're going to run over people and decimate people and diminish them all along the way, at the end of the day, you have some results and you have a workforce that's that that won't be around eventually they just won't be willing to put themselves or keep themselves in that kind of a position yeah so it's it's um it's a great point you make so uh demonstrate courage and then our we have two more to cover today our two last remaining servant leadership behaviors increase your influence is next so increasing your influence is all about sharing what you know and what you've you know accumulated over the years or perhaps sharing what you know that you've learned you may be a young person but you have skills that somebody else doesn't have so most people would think increasing your influence has to do with well I'm a manager or I'm a supervisor and so I'm increasing my influence when I supervise and manage more people But really, everybody is accountable for this as well, and that is the sharing of knowledge. So, you know, in our group, we have people that are much more technologically savvy than I am. They are, you know, open to helping me do whatever I need to do. You know, by the same token, 
I've been in business for about 30 years now, and so I have knowledge that I can share with them. So it's very important that we be open to that, and a servant leader looks to increase their influence. And I bet for most of our listeners, they could think of somebody today that they need to increase their influence with. And sometimes that's because you have a project or some goal you're trying to attain and you need to build relationship with people. And that's okay. Just keep in mind your motive. Make sure that they're pure and that when you go into it, you're going to increase your influence, but you're also going to give as you're doing that and you're going to serve as you're doing that. So if you have something, share it. But often that takes being courageous. Right. Just not staying in your comfort zone. Right. And the other part of that is if you have something, share it. But if you need something, ask for it. A lot of times people are not willing to ask because they think people will think I'm, you know, less than because I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's something. So, and in your it. act of doing that, of not being afraid to say, hey, I need this from you, you will gain influence because you're willing to be that transparent. Oh, great point. So it, it works both ways. And last but not least, our servant leadership behavior, live your transformation. Well, living your transformation is simply being willing to work at this day in and day out and to carry it out into the community with you. I think this is really important. This isn't something that just stops when you walk out the front door of the building. You will find as you get involved with servant leadership that it becomes a part of who you are. Um, You can't live your values and demonstrate courage and listen to understand without that seeping out into uh, into your life, into the community as a whole. So living your transformation is really being willing to accept all those changes that you're going to go through and to be willing to show people that you are a different person, that um, serving is important to you. And you can serve in little ways, big ways, doesn't matter. Um, A lot of little ways turn into big ways. And so it's just important that um, that you live this lifestyle. Exactly, and I think a good way to put it might be, if, you know, people are there to follow the leader. Are you a, a leader worth following, right? Yeah. That's what we yeah. say. Are you, yeah. have you, have you really earned their trust and built that relationship and able to, you know, really walk the talk, or as we say, behave the talk, with the principles and the practices that, that you're doing, and you're going to not be perfect along the way, but you sure. can let people know, hey, I'm having a bad day. It happens. Right. And it, it will happen very definitely. Um, and, you know, don't be, don't be put off or intimidated by the fact that this is a lot of information. I think, you know, focus on one every six months or focus on two every six months, something like that. But Um, Don't be intimidated or overwhelmed by it. I think that one of the things you'll find is that as you start looking at this and immersing yourself in this, putting it into real practice wherever you are, you'll find that 
one thing just sort of leads to another and you become part of this journey toward a different way to influence and lead people and it's not always um, it may not be in boop 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 this order <laughs> it may be different than that for you but so worth it so worth it I like to say that I get to be the same person 24-7. I don't have to put on some other face when I come to work. I can be the same person, and that's golden. Thank you so much. And I was just going to ask you where people should start, and, and you did a beautiful job there of just you know, bite size, we say. Sure. Right? Take one of these and, and perhaps um, tell a colleague... If you want to start out being really courageous, take these behaviors on a sheet of paper. You know, make yourself a little grid, and you can make an assessment to give to the people that report to you and ask them how you're doing in these areas. And make it anonymous so that nobody feels uncomfortable, and you'll know where to start by the kind of responses you get. If they grade you on the low side of listen to understand, well, there you go. There's your answer, and you can start with that. That's a great, in fact, that's such a good idea. We have that assessment. We do. That we'd be happy to email you. If you just send us an email to info at servantleadershipinstitute.com, uh, we'd be happy to send that assessment to you. And I want to remind everybody that our servant leadership behavior cards are now available in our bookstore online on our website at servantleadershipinstitute.com. They're great, they're inexpensive, and they're a great gift to give to your colleagues and friends. And you can you know, have some fun with it, like pick a behavior to hold each other accountable to, and have a small group to discuss. And there's all kinds of things you can do that don't cost a lot of money. There's really no barriers to this. It's right. great if you can right. do training and all that kind of yeah. stuff, but just start where you are. Pick a couple of people that will become like your inner circle to each other. And, you know, go to lunch and talk about the behaviors and talk about the kind of input you got if you were brave enough to do an assessment. And it really helps to have other people that you can talk to about it. Yeah, that's a great, great idea. And any final thoughts, Carol, as we close out today's podcast program on our, our nine servant leadership behaviors? I just, I just would add that really, you know, sincerely, we live this every day, but it is revolutionary, and it will change you as a person um, for the best, better. Some of it may be a little tough sometimes to see in yourself because, you know, you may think you're a certain way, and, and you may be coming across in an entirely different way. But I would say, you know, stay the course and, you know, continue to pursue this because you will not regret it. And it doesn't matter if you have a company that is a servant-led company or whether they're the farthest thing in the world from it. That does not stop you from being, as Robin put it earlier, a leader worth following. That's great advice because we get asked that all the time. I want to do this, but our company is not a servant-led organization. What do I do? And just start practicing yourself. Start on yourself. That's level one of our training. Start with yourself. Right. 
and you will find that people will start asking what you know what's different what have you done why is your group doing so well um and you'll have the answer that's fantastic and you can turn around and teach them the answer and i also want everybody to know um that carol's a great writer um, she does a lot of writing in the background, so to speak, but there are many blogs on our website that Carol has written, and of course she puts together our webinars that she hosts with the Art Barter, and there's so much that Carol's doing day in, day out to serve all of you, so please um, take advantage of her great knowledge about being a servant leader, and uh, which is vast because she went through all the process of Datron being transformed in the day that Art, if you've read about our story on our website, how we all came about really from Datron, and Carol was part of that journey, and then is now serving the Institute uh, with all her experience, so thank you for being here on kind of this flip role for you <laughs> of answering questions and, and sharing with our audience some really great, rich things about each behavior. It's been very enlightening. I always learn from you. I really appreciate uh, all the, the ways that you serve the Institute. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And thank you, everyone, <laughs> for joining us. And stay tuned for more podcasts as we dig into how to do servant leadership. So thank you all. Bye-bye, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We wanted to let you know about some great new content on our website. To know more about what services SLI offers, go to the resources section of our website. From workshops to foundational servant leadership training, we have many ways to help you on your servant leadership journey. Also, visit our web store to find great tools like implementation booklets, books, and behavior cards. So head over to www.servantleadershipinstitute.com to check it all out. Thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day.